It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. One just has to pick up a magazine or turn on a television to see that we, as women, are bombarded daily with medium images of female physical perfection, leaving us with the most unrealistic of expectations as to how we should look. No wonder female body confidence is falling while incidents of eating disorders are on the rise. What's most alarming is the way this affects young girls. A reduced sense of self-worth can create anxiety, stress, even depression, causing relationship issues while potentially impairing academic and job performance. In direct contrast, Confidence in Bloom is designed to send the opposite message to any woman of any age, shape, or background who has ever felt inadequate, unworthy, or tossed aside because of how she looks. You matter. You are enough now. I, Tina Spolatini, a woman of substance, insist women deserve to be happy, confident, successful, and not to mention so totally in love with themselves in their own bodies just the way they are. Through an ongoing series of intriguing conversations with women from all walks of life who are all extraordinary in their own right, I will take us on a journey of ultimate self-acceptance and empowerment. Together we'll share the stories, laugh, learn, maybe even shed a few tears, even when you realize how far women have come to real to my goodness. When you realize how far many women have come to realize just how wonderful life is. When you stand in your own power, feeling fantastic in your own skin. Today I'm speaking with Jackie Nagy. Jackie's expertise is working with coaches and holistic entrepreneurs to increase their impact and income so they can enjoy a thriving business doing the work they love. Welcome, Jackie. Hello. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so, so delighted that we're getting this opportunity to talk about one of my favorite subjects, <laughs> confidence. <laughs> right? Isn't that the truth? Tell us a little bit more yeah. about our, about yourself. Oh, um, I am uh, a woman who is absolutely passionate about the work I do, and um, that is working with entrepreneurs who have, um, you know, the big dream. Um, Sometimes it's that something that has been simmering for quite some time and they haven't had an opportunity to really step fully into it and um, really expand who they are because they have a big mission to make a positive difference in the world and they want to do it. Um, And I don't no, the word legacy is not a word I usually use, but right now I'm, my mind is failing me. Um, they just really are passionate about wanting to make this world a better place, a more positive, loving, um, happy place. And I dare to say that they almost 
believe that it's possible. You know, so many people have said to me, Jackie, you're just so Pollyanna. You think that, you know, we can all get along and everything can be loving and happy, and it's not always that way. And so I appreciate that. But that's kind of the woman that I am and the, and the women, um, mostly women, some men, that I, that I work with in my business. Oh, that sounds, that sounds um, wonderful. What else? You sound yeah. like me. <laughs> I hate <laughs> when I hear people fight, you know, or not get along. Their yeah. personalities, personalities clash. Yeah. 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 Tell us more. Yeah. Tell us more about your, your coaching okay. business. Yeah, my coaching business, I've been uh, full-time as an entrepreneur since 2008, so celebrating 15 years this year. And I came from the corporate world for just about 30 years I was working in corporate and I um I had this growing sen- sensation if you will, this feeling of unhappiness, unease and just feeling more and more demotivated towards my work over the years. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was because I loved the work that I did. I was primarily in the travel industry, and I absolutely love the work. I love the people. I love serving people. And yet it got harder and harder every day to get out of bed and and bring the energy that the job required, as so many people know what I mean, especially in corporate. Um, very much, if I dare to say, still a lot of a man's world with a lot of male energy, and I do talk about the feminine energy and, and masculine energy a lot. And um, But I didn't know at the time. You know, we're going back quite a few years, obviously, before these kind of concepts, if you will, were even on the radar. We weren't really even talking about this kind of energy. In, even the word energy, we'd be thinking about electricity, right? And, um, yeah, yeah I hit... I hit yeah, so I, I hit a wall um, spiritually, uh, physically, emotionally. Um, my whole system uh, really shut down. My body, mind, you know, shut down. And I quit. I left corporate and uh, I took a couple of years to recover. And, you know, it's a whole different story, but I, it took a, quite a lot of work you know, and I say work with all loving respect, but it is a job to take care of ourselves. I was listening to one of your podcasts on self-care. It's a job. So I wasn't doing that job, you know, for those couple of decades. And so I did that for a few years. And then um, I kind of tapped in after when I was feeling better to what is it that I want to be and do for the rest of my life. I was closing in on 50 and um and i and i and i really dug deep on what do i love doing and um it was i would love teaching uh a, i coached a, a large sales team and people would say to me you're such a great coach and so that work kept coming up as well and i thought well what if i was uh you know coaching people and teaching them what I've learned and and I wanted to do that as an entrepreneur. I had that entrepreneurial spirit from a very young age. And so yeah, I mean, I I um entered into the field of neuro-linguistic programming, also known as NLP. And that was the that was the I guess you could say the bridge. That was the foundation of my business was using these amazing 
tools, and the field of NLP is vast. So it's very, very applicable to both business, in personal life, relationships, and also self and working on oneself, and that was really a big piece of my recovery. So I found the tools there, and, and that's what really launched my business. Well, that's, like, super cool. And how did you come across it during your healing process? Did you, did someone, like, did you hire a coach that helped you with that? How did I come across NLP was an interesting story. I'm glad you asked. I was working for um, an international company whose head office was in England, and we went to a conference, and one of the half-day workshops that you could select, you know, you can pick one of these um, activities, was this thing called neuro-linguistic programming. And I thought, well, I don't even know what that is. However, I'm intrigued by the name of it. I always am fascinated with brains and neurology, and so I just signed up. And it was absolutely life-changing because it opened up something in me that was very, um, it was like I was seeking the how-to tools for life. <laughs> and um, and that's what I, 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 uh, I learned, like just a snippet, you know, the, the just the tip of the iceberg. And um, I actually used the skills that I learned in that half-day workshop to, to um, teach my team I was uh, coaching a team of 100 salespeople, and our, our sales that year um, hit a double-digit percentage increase over the year before. So it was like evidence, oh, my gosh, this stuff works. But it wasn't really um, – it was easy. But, you know, not having the tools, I was floundering for so many years um, looking at people that were really successful in my workplace and wondering, what is it that they're doing that that I could model, that I could um, – reach the kind of success that they have, and I couldn't figure it out. So NLP was like what I had been looking for, but I didn't know what was that. (laughs) And it just really blew my mind and took me another, I think, eight years or so before I started my business. So I was still working and still applying the skills I had learned and still studying and you know, and when I then was looking for, okay, what am I going to do now that I'm starting my business? I went online and I looked up neurolinguistic programming, and um, yeah, I chose a, a an academy in England and and really, really dedicated myself for a number like ten years of deep, deep diving into the field and learning it. It's that vast, so it's, it never leaves me. Uh, bored or, or looking for something else. I'm really fully, fully embodied into um, all the all the field of NLP. And people coming on the training say the same thing. They can't believe how vast, how deep the field goes. The applications for it just go into now we're um, using the skills in health and recovery from, you know, illness and um, and preventing illness, and that, that's another area that I'm now looking into more of as I'm reaching a new stage in my life, and health is becoming like the number one thing next to confidence, right? That's what we're talking about today, having that true confidence together with being healthy and having the energy to do the things that we love in life. I mean, I think that kind of encapsulates it for me. <laughs> I love that. So how does NLP work? Is it like um, hypnotherapy? 
Well, hypnotherapy is a is a branch of NLP because one of the core foundational underpinnings of the field of NLP came from Milton Erickson, a renowned clinical um, hypnotist. He was a psychiatrist, and he worked with people using hypnosis. And, you know, the hypnosis, hypnotherapy really is kind of similar. And, um, and he developed really the field that we have today of professional hypnotherapy. He was, he, his, his writings, his work, therapeutic work created that foundation. So it is, is, um, an aspect, uh, one of the, if you want to say, um, what I want to say, like categories, if that's the word, of the field of NLP is hypnotherapy. So it's really, really working deep with the unconscious mind. And, you know, I really want to introduce um, some of the models that I've been personally testing myself about how to incorporate working with the unconscious as we cannot be fully confident unless we have this deep connection with our true self, which is kind of another way of saying our authentic self, which is really the part of us that, you know, is the unconscious that has all the wisdom and all the knowledge and all of the experience and the, and the uh, you know, the life story <clears throat> that supports us. Yeah. Yeah, so basically like shutting down the ego. I mean, obviously we have an ego that cannot be shut down, but it's basically making like the self and ego friends. Yeah, I would say um, the ego is really that conscious part of us, that the, the voice in the head, you know, the the um, the critical voice, the voice that is seeking um, to satisfy something that actually isn't in alignment with who we truly are. But there's reasons for that voice, right? There's um, history. There's belief systems, there's values, and not all of those beliefs and values are supporting us. If they were formed at a time of life where maybe they were in, you know, maybe they were suitable or working for us, but as we age and as we move through life, we need to update those, right? But if that old voice is still there, that ego is still kind of there wanting to get what it wants to satisfy its original intention, it's going to interfere with us. So absolutely. And the resource to make that happen comes from the unconscious. You know, the wiser part of ourselves that has sort of the bigger picture in mind and can really tap into our heart and our intention, and our ecology, our desire for ecology. That's that thing that I find is so, so important that when we're deciding on what we want to do in our life or our business, it's important to check in with the ecology. Is what I'm doing good for me and for others? And I have found that if that balance, I don't want to use the word balance, if that harmony of it's good for me, it's good for you, it's good for others, is not part of our goals and our outcomes and our intentions, we're, we're going to, it's going to be, we're going to self-sabotage ourselves, right? So it's, there's such an intertwining of this, um, who we are as a person. There's not one thing that is really, okay, let's work on that, now we're good to go, right? There's just so many different aspects 
And, um, and that's a beautiful way of looking at who we are as complex beings. Um, we could certainly never get bored. <laughs> if something isn't working, we can find another tool in our toolbox, right? Yeah, isn't that the truth? So do you have other modalities that you use, or do you strictly stick with NLP? Oh, I love that question. I'm also, um, I was very fortunate to be introduced to an amazing woman. Uh, I'll mention her name, Rachel Jane Groover, and she developed the um, the Art of Feminine Presence. And so I took her training I guess it would be about eight years ago now, nine years ago. Absolutely fell in love with her um, meditations and her practices, became a teacher, incorporated that into my own being, you know, my own self and who I wanted to be as a woman in particular, being a strong, feminine woman. And um, it so, so supported me. And so I do teach um, some of the classes, but primarily I weave her lessons and her practices and her concepts into the work I do in either coaching or um, training with NLP. But those two modalities are really my focus. I do some hypnotherapy, but again, it's woven within the other NLP work that I do. Right, right. And so what is the... Um the main outcome that you search for when you're working with your clients? Is it like business the main goals, outcome, or would you say it's like a confidence thing? Well, they're intertwined, right? Um, when I do get a client who comes to me for business uh, coaching, my clients are primarily entrepreneurs, which is great because that's, you know, my my journey in the last 15 years. And what I've discovered over the years, and I discovered this first for myself, is that having unwavering confidence, being able to show up in any situation in a way that I feel that I can tap into all the the um, skills that I have and to be able to show up and be in flow and to be present and to be able to communicate well was based upon how confident I was. Um, But it's not, um, and so anyway, before I dive into another thought here, so when someone comes to me for business coaching for their entrepreneurial ventures, we, I, I, you know, I direct the person into where are they on their journey of being truly confident in what it is they want to be doing. And the confidence really doesn't stand alone. Um, it really is supported by congruence and competence. So we're diving into what is it they want to do, which is something that they may come up with, but also maybe something external that they're seeing other entrepreneurs doing and they think, oh, I really must be doing that because my peers are doing it or that's what the marketplace is wanting me to do. And we want to tap into that whole aspect of, yes, and what is it that you feel confident about doing when it comes to that? And where are the gaps? Is it a gap in knowledge? Is it a gap in competence? and in learning something, the skills of that, or is it a gap in congruence? 
how in alignment are you with that thing that you want to be doing? Is that in alignment with your values? Is that in alignment with your beliefs? Is that in alignment with the woman that you want to be and present to the world? And so that discussion weaves throughout the coaching. So, yes, we might be putting a plan in for marketing or for developing a webinar or doing a a funnel, you know, to guide people through, to enter into a conversation with them. But at the end of the day, if they're not feeling congruent about it, if they haven't got the competence to do that thing, and they therefore don't have the confidence, we're going to go back to the drawing board, right? Because I don't want to push my clients into a space that doesn't meet those criteria. So you're not necessarily like... um it's about the, the owner. It's about the person sitting in front of you. It's not about the business. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's I love great. that. Yeah. 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 Okay, so tell me, um, <clears throat> how, how do you, like how do we embody an unwavering confidence that you know will always be there? Right. Okay, I love this question. Um, it sounds... I think undoable, the, the title of that, right? Or um, this, con- this concept of, of unwavering confidence. But here's the way that it's worked for me, is I don't step into uh, doing anything unless I have fulfilled those three um, criteria. Am I competent to do this thing that I want to be doing? Yes or no? And if I'm not, where can I get the skills? Who can teach me? Is it maybe um, going back to a lot of people have a lot of training that they forget about, you know? So they've learned how to do something, but only at a really high level, only like a a logical um, level. They haven't really embodied the skills to be... For example, if what it is they want to be doing is to run a campaign and drive people through a funnel so they can have a sales conversation, right? Well, people, and I've seen this so many times, will follow the bouncing ball and they'll put the things in place, which there's a lot of different things that need to happen. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's a lot of writing of copy. There's a lot of, um, you know, putting oneself out on social media on videos. And there's so many things that we do to guide our, you know, clients through a funnel. But at the end of the day, if that person hasn't got the competence through experience and practice to do the actual sales call, they'll hit a brick wall. They will generally Uh not be able to get past that they'll try to force themselves to and they will get on a few calls and of course typically not make a sale and then not feel good about themselves and think that you know that's where the vulnerability comes up and that's where the um self-sabotage comes up oh i'm not good enough i i don't you know i'm not worthy of this and all that inner dialogue can pop up but really at the end of the day it's often a case of they haven't yet developed the skills to handle that end um, point, you know, the sales conversation. Having a sales conversation is an art. 
um, just like doing anything, it requires practice. So confidence can't be bought. Confidence can't be faked. Confidence is earned. It's earned through practice, developing the skill so that it, it gets into even into the bones. It becomes who we are. Having a sales conversation, guiding a client through a loving conversation about what their needs and their wants are, their problems and their symptoms, and deciding, yeah, is this a good match? That takes uh, art. It takes there's, there's a lot of touch points in that. So that's one thing. The second is, if that, um, again, working with my clients, if I pick up through calibrating, and calibrating is a real core skill of NLP. And a lot of your listeners will know what I'm talking about. Some people call it um, a sense or an intuition when they're talking, say, to their um <clears throat> you know, to their clients. So let's say I'm talking to one of my clients and we're discussing this marketing plan that they have and we're getting to the point where the end end step is sales conversation. And I know that they're pretty good at sales. I've seen that they've been in business for more than five years because that's evidence that they're going to continue another five. And um, yet there's I sense some waffling, some tension in their body, um, you know, they haven't been able to really articulate themselves. They're having, str- they're struggling. Um, I'll touch in on, okay, is this perhaps an incongruency? Right? And what I mean by that is they're not feeling in alignment within themselves, within their own inner self, that what they're selling isn't maybe good enough. Maybe it's Maybe they haven't tested what they're selling. A lot of people put a program together or a coaching training or something together, and they're just trying to sell it without having tested it, you know, without doing like a beta test, for example. So that might be a question. I say, well, how much evidence do you have of success when delivering this thing you're selling? And they'll say, well, it's brand new. I've never done it before. Okay, we've got to go back to the beginning again. We're not going to do a funnel. We're not going to um, help them with their marketing until they've done a beta test on whatever they're, whatever they're selling to ensure that they know that what they're offering their clients is of the highest quality that they expect. You know, everyone's, um, depending on what they're selling, right? If it's an intro, it, 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 no matter what you do, I come from a place of let's seek excellence. And so I tend to work with people that are seeking that as well. Um, I mean, yeah, there's varying levels of that. So we're always going to be attentive to that, of course. Um, So it's either competence or um, congruence that I'm seeking when I'm coaching my clients. And when we have those, we've got them, yes, I know what I'm doing is great. I've delivered it two, three, four times. I've gotten great results. I have testimonials. Okay, great. And then if, yeah, I know how to do that sales conversation. I feel very comfortable in in um, selling what I'm selling. Um, I love what I'm doing, and I, I know for me it's worked really well. Great, then we're going to carry on. But until those things are satisfied, in my um, experience, we're going to hit a brick wall. 
So yeah, <clears throat> so you have to feel that your client feels a hundred percent confident, and once that happens, I would imagine the rest comes super super easy. Absolutely, yeah, and they um, yeah, there's a sense of um, what's the word? Um, not motivation, um, momentum that happens when things are in alignment. I know what I'm doing. I can do it really well. I'm feeling great about the outcome. I can I can deliver on the promises I'm making. That's a big one as well. And I'm not faking it, right? This is true confidence. So one of the things I like to teach my clients are the four stages of competence, which really, really supports them. And many of your listeners will be aware of this as well. It's often referred to as the four stages of learning. So there's unconscious incompetence, conscious incompetence, conscious competence, and unconscious competence. And people people love that because we can we can go through a journey of whatever it is um, they're doing and look at okay where are we right now on this path, you know? Um, and I want to get my clients to a place where whatever they're delivering, whether it's coaching, training, facilitating. I work with a lot of people that do one-on-one work with clients in group uh, as well. They could be often healers, so they often do one-on-one deep work. Um, Are they at the stage of unconscious competence, the highest level of competence? Or are they still at the stage of competence? conscious competence where they're still kind of aware that they're competent but it hasn't really sunk in to a place where they can trust that when they show up with their clients that wisdom that knowledge that ability and skill will present itself naturally right just the way we drive a car we don't think about hmm do i know how to drive a car when we started we had to sort of stop and think and ask ourselves now we just go and we do it right and in canada you you also have a deep deep sense that we know how to drive on ice and snow without having to question it but you know 50 years ago i had to ask myself hmm it's kind of icy and snowy out there should i go out i don't know if i can handle it <laughs> um so that's really what we're seeking in when it comes to writing marketing copy for their for their campaigns and for their whether doing blogs or whatever, doing a video. Where are they on that um, on the stages of competence? A lot of entrepreneurs are just starting. Let's say it's to so video is such a important part of the marketing in so many. Um, Areas and a lot of entrepreneurs are still in the conscious incompetence or conscious competent a little still you know and so we want to always ensure that I you know I'd like to get my clients to a place where they feel confident that they have some competence enough to go forward it doesn't have to be perfect but it's enough that they're not feeling these um, deep emotions which can be mislabeled, I believe, truly. There's a lot of the, um, when people have inner dialogue of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not worthy enough. I believe a lot of that that um, um, scripting may come from voices from our early life, 
but I think it's driven by the feelings that we have inside when we're not feeling confident. And it's, so it's about, okay, let's take a step back. Let's look and just, you know, uh, dive in and look at where are the gaps. And in these two areas really are the most powerful ones that I've discovered. That sounds so amazing. So I and I what came to my mind is if we were to sit down, say a you know, a classroom full of young university students and teach yeah. them what you teach your clients, what what do you think the outcome would be in um say a future fifteen or twenty years when they're these you know, these young people are now in their early to late forties. Do you think that they would still have the confidence that they had back in the in their early twenties that you taught them, or do you think it would still go back and you know they would hit their forties and have to kind of go through that training again? Oh my gosh, I love this question. <laughs> oh well, here's what I'm thinking: um, university students, college students. Um, young people who are just on the precipice, starting their, you know, lives, leaving the university setting or learning setting. I believe there's a lot of uncertainty. They haven't got the life experience that a 40-year-old or a 50- or 60-year-old has to be able to go, okay, looking back on my experience from the past, I can make a good judgment about whether what I want to do is in alignment with who I am or, you know, is something that will um, uh, allow me to really show my true talents. They don't know that yet. They haven't tested anything yet, right? So I think it's absolutely critical that they learn these skills. Very The earliest people can learn these skills, oh, my gosh, it's such a gift to be able to ask themselves the questions, the coaching questions. And people can do this by themselves. I mean, it's nice to do it with a coach because you get to really fully sink into the questions without, you know, you can get out of your head a little easier. And it's really important that people get out of their heads and touch into their body sensations when they're asking these really important questions in life and ask themselves, what do I want? right? What do I want? Right? And asking themselves the questions over and over again. And maybe they'll come up with several things. And it may not be the thing that they've gone to university for. It may not be the thing that maybe their parents expected of them. And that's a difficult time for a young person to have to break away from expectations and from possibly disappointment because they're, if they really touched into their true self and asked that question, oh, my gosh, for them to have the opportunity to make those adjustments early in life instead of when they're 40, can you imagine how happy, well, that's how much I'm, happier yeah. people would be. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's I why I'm, that. I'm thinking because, yeah, like when, when our kids were, you know, finishing high school, we said to them, 
we don't care what you do. You know, obviously it has to be legal and moral, right? But it has to be something you're, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you are going to get like a, a good feeling from. You know, we want you to be happy. That's our main goal for our kids. And so we didn't care. We said, whatever you want to do, we will support. But you got to go to school. You have to do something yep. that can provide a future for you, right? And I'm just wondering, you know, if that's kind of the same idea of what this – I mean, obviously there's more to the NLP than finding a career, right? It's it's basically how your your mind works. But, you know, I'm just – you know, when you were talking earlier and I'm thinking, all these kids that are in university – that really don't know if they're doing the right thing for themselves, if we could teach them now, what would our future years look like? Yeah, absolutely. Especially that ecology question, you know. Yeah. Um, it really, the universe, um, if, if you look up ecology in nature, it's, um, you know, you look at a forest, there's ecology in a forest. If you look at the ocean, there's ecology in the ocean. Things that work the way they're designed in harmony with their environment. That is the way we're designed as beings. And humans are beings just the way fish are, you know, in trees. We're all part of a bigger um, environment. And so asking the question, what do I really want to do? And that question, by the way, ties very closely in to one's values. So a values assessment is very, very important. And not a not a left brain necessarily values. We really dive deep when we're doing this work in NLP to touch into the and does the body support that value as well. You know, that's the congruency piece. And then is what I want to be doing in my life congruent with others, with my family, with my friends that I currently have, and with um, the people that I love and my community and the world, right? And when those things align, when what we want to do individually align with others in our lives, in our life and the world and the, uh, as a whole, Magic really happens. The universe lines up to support us in achieving that in a magical way. I love that. <clears throat> okay, so tell me this. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know why I've got a frog in my throat right now. Um, you, you may have answered this question already, but I want to know, is there one myth that blocks our ability to be authentically confident? Yes. <laughs> I have mentioned a few, but I would say the one myth that has been floating around for quite a while is the statement, fake it till you make it. Okay, explain that. The notion, yeah, the notion that um, and I, I'm guilty of even using that phrase, a, a mantra, if you will. You know, I took some training back in the late 80s and 90s, and 
and it that was the saying that was floating around. Fake it till you make it. Fake it, and incorporated was like yes, yes, yes. You know, we can do it. <laughs> kind of, it was a sense of forcing oneself. And I'll say that the energy behind that is a very masculine energy. And by the way, I don't want to say that men are the only ones that have masculine energy and women are the only ones with feminine energy. All humans have both these different types of energy. But it's a very pushing forward, forcing oneself, pushing and, and, and going beyond what we think is capable, what we think that over time, not only wears us out physically and hormonally, like we all have learned so much about cortisol and what that does, you know, stress, because that creates a lot of stress. And one of the reasons is that if we're not, if we're trying to fake doing something or being someone that we're not in alignment with, our unconscious, that part, our true self is going to say, no, no, I'm not going to support you. Um, I'm not going to give you the skills that you need to perform when it comes time for you to you know, show up and demonstrate you can do this thing that you're faking. I'm not going to support you because I'm the one protecting you from, um, what's the word, um, from being fake, really, who wants to be fake? We're all seeking authenticity. We want to be true to ourselves. We want to, the key to loving ourselves is being true to who we are and who we want, you know, and, and stepping into that person we want to be, our best self. And so that statement goes so against being truly confident. A confidence, like I said, early, how we get confident is that we earn it. We work at doing the thing we love doing really, really well over and over and over again. Of course, we give ourselves feedback. Maybe we get a coach that gives us feedback or a friend or a loved one or a partner. Always seeking feedback is so, so important to reaching that level of mastery. And then once we master that, it's then allowing ourselves to trust our we use the word unconscious in the um, field of NLP, the part of us that has now that skill embodied in our being, just like I said earlier, driving a car, it's in our bones. <laughs> it's in our muscle. Our muscle memory knows how to get in the car and how to accelerate. We don't have to think about, oh, now I want to speed up. I better push my foot down. Our muscles will automatically do it. It's same with doing whatever else we want to do in life. So it's at that stage of unconscious competence that we now step into a place of trust. Right? And think I about love this. That. I coach a lot of Yes. I coach a lot of speakers. Many and people who've never done any uh, public speaking to people that have done dozens and dozens in front of thousands. Every speaker Every performer will always have some jitters, have some, you know, some butterflies before they get on stage, which is actually great because it, that um, is a sign that our body's hormones are kicking in. 
like adrenaline is kicking in so that we can be energized on stage and, and really project our voice and, and um, show emotion. That's good, right? And a lot of speakers that I work with um, will think that those jitters, those butterflies are not good. And no, 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 they're not a sign that you don't know how to do this at all. You know it. So it's trusting they've got the skills to get on the stage, deliver the talk they want to talk, and because they have practiced it. (laughs) So we do a lot of practice run-throughs. Public speakers, the really good ones, they don't, you don't see what happens behind the scenes, but they have practiced for hours and hours and hours. And then when they get on stage, yeah, there's a little bit of that feeling in their belly, you know, the little butterflies, and that is what they tap into to deliver an amazing presentation to the audience where they can really look in the eyes of the audience and connect, and they forget about their talk. It just comes out naturally. It's such a beautiful way of performing, and I believe that we can perform that way in every scenario, every context, whether it's having a conversation with our loved ones, whether it's speaking with our children on really delicate, challenging conversations. You know, my son is now in his 40s, and so the conversations I'm having with him now are much more adult-to-adult conversations. And so, you know, I, I need to tap into the adult part of me, not the mom. When I'm having conversations with him, I need to be intentional about who I show up, you know, And so having that moment, that pause, you know, to taking a breath and just trusting that we know what to do, we've done the work to practice it, it's there, and allowing it to flow. And, of course, developing the skill to do any minor, micro, little um, modifications. You'll see this in in, uh, sometimes if you watch um, TED Talks. Many of them are just perfectly scripted and choreographed. However, you'll notice on some of the speakers, there'll be a pause where you get a sense they were going to say something and something else comes out of their mouth. That's their moment where they checked in and they maybe did a little adjustment to what they're going to say next. And also in coaching conversations, that's a coach develops that skill to a level of mastery so that they don't get caught in Um, a pattern of just repeating a script to their clients. Their clients, it it doesn't feel authentic. And so the ability to be able to flow and respond to a client's questions and their client's story and where a client is going in in what they're sharing, that kind of ability takes that flexibility, you know, an optimal state of flexibility in how we show up in our state is absolutely key to being truly confident. And that, you, you know, the neat thing about this is it can be practiced in other um, contexts. So I talk to a lot of my clients about doing things like um, any kind of activity. It could be even cooking. I use a lot of cooking examples in my coaching in how um, when you're cooking a meal that you've cooked many times before, do you automatically go and pull the recipe out of the cupboard? Or do you trust that you know how to do it and give it a try and see what happens as you go? 
So giving little examples, little tasks for people to experience this sense of flexibility in how we're performing will show up because it has a tendency to generalize. So in their business, they'll be able to tap into that sense of flexibility and being able to um, just trust that they know what to do. Right. I love this. This has been like you have given so much great advice without giving advice. Like your your knowledge that you're sharing with us today is, is amazing. You know, I mean, I know myself I got little tidbits of advice that I know I can put into my everyday life. Um, and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. Um, if you could give you know, one piece of it, I don't want to say advice. Let's say if someone was looking to grow their confidence, what is one thing you would tell them um, to look for yeah. inside? Or, yeah, let us know that. Yeah. What's one thing we can do? Yeah, I love this question. So here's the one thing that people can do at the end of the day. Give them Give yourself five minutes even. If you have longer, take it, you know, to reflect on the day and ask yourself, what did I do well today? That's the question. What did I do well today? And a lot of people love journaling. Uh, I was not a journaler um, I really, I don't know why, but I started journaling. Oh, my gosh, the power of journaling is so beautiful. So if people like to, they can journal. And if they are just laying in bed and remembering, oh, I haven't asked my question, they could do it when they're laying in bed and not even write it down. It's okay as long as it's done. What did I do well today? Right? The second question, if you they want to take it one step further, is what could I do to give myself a stretch in other words what would i like to be or do that's even i don't know a higher quality or if i could do what i do did well today even better right would you know what could i do and then ask their inner guide their unconscious to allow those resources that are there, typically stored within them, to generate during sleep. So just ask the question, take a few notes. Oh, I did a, I made a call to a friend today and I, I was very good. I listened. I didn't offer advice. I just listened and I supported them and I and I wished them well, and I invited them out to a walk, okay? So it could be something really beautiful around a relationship with a friendship. It could be something around the business. I completed these important tasks on my to-do list today. Yes, wow. So whatever it was that they did well. And um, then again, asking the question, and I want to stop here because one of the things I <laughs> have noticed about myself, stop and celebrate that. Even if it's just like a closing one's uh-huh. eyes, touching, you know, hand on heart, appreciating oneself, and just no words are even necessary, by the way. Just no words. Just connecting with oneself, appreciating I that love wisdom. That. 
Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating, yeah. celebrating, yeah. you know, the good in every day is super, super yeah. important. Well, I want to say thank you, Jackie, for all of the sharing that you've done with us today. We have learned lots from you, and I know that we could learn a whole lot more because you have a ton of knowledge in your brain. And I love it. I love how you're so willing to share it. And you do it so elegantly. And I love that. I want to thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much, Tina. It has been my absolute pleasure. I really love what you're offering your uh, the audience that are listening. And I really look forward to staying connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just maybe give us your website or uh, one way that we can connect with you? Oh, yes. If people would like to connect with me one-on-one privately, they can email me. It's um, jnaggy at holisticdirections.com. So that's J-N-A-G-Y at H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C directions, the word directions, dot com. Um, or go to the website, holisticdirections.com. There's a lovely um, um, NLP guide, if people would like that as well, as a little free gift. And um, Yeah, but I'd love for people to email me directly and start a conversation. I love that. Thank you so much. Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you're an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or a supermodel. The truth is, they don't even look like that. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape, so if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence in Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at in. Bloom Styling or at by email at Tina at InfoBloomStyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on DivasThatCare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.